0: Hey everybody, you look from McElroy Performance Consulting, joined with Nick and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. What we're going to talk about today is uh, just smart load monitoring. So we've got a lot of athletes who are uh, are obviously resort- resorting to just doing running perhaps, maybe they don't have an indoor trainer and obviously the pools are closed and so they can't swim. Uh, a lot of people are just going to, to running and-, and increasing their running load quite quickly as an alternative to other training methods and they're getting injured and sore and we just want to talk about the pros and cons of doing that and just how to progressively overload so that you can... Uh, complete running, but not obviously get injured uh, at the same time. So, um, Nick, you want to run through uh, some things that you've seen? You said on social media you've seen a few things happening and, and sort of uh, a bit of background behind that.
1: Yeah, I think the, the common things that we're seeing a lot at the moment is athletes going from no running to any running, and then either no running to uh, high high volume. Um, and the, it's just the common over, overuse injuries that we're seeing time and time again. So, hearing a lot of like Achilles tendinopathy, hearing a lot of um, plantar fascia type issues, calf issues, knee trouble, hip trouble, ITB, all, all of the classic over, uh, overuse injuries where you're just going from nothing to a hell of a lot running three, four times a week where you normally wouldn't. Mm. Um, and it's it's almost that type of thing that a lot of a lot of athletes are just, I guess, training for the sake of training because it gets them an excuse to go outside and do something, as opposed to you, maybe you're only training Two run sessions a week. If you're a triathlete, normally now you're going out and doing four because you can't swim. Yeah. So a lot of overuse issues around it. Um, mainly just from, I guess probably stemming from a bit of boredom and just being able to get outside is the main thing. So it's a positive yeah. in one respect, going out and running, yeah. but negative being a lot of athletes getting injured. Yeah, I guess it's one of those.
0: It's a fine line because I'm probably running. 70 percent more than i was because i'm not cycling because you boys have stolen the trainers from me and i'm not swimming because you can't (laughs) it's right there (laughs) um so yeah i'm probably running four days a week whereas i normally do you know two days a week maybe three um but obviously just spacing it out so it it doesn't hurt me but uh the difference between a swimming load and cycling load compared to running is is cycling and swimming is is non-weight bearing it's not going to have that bone stress and that tendon stress that you get with running um, and I remember reading somewhere, I'm obviously not, not a physio, but I remember, remember reading somewhere that you don't feel like the the tendon load or the tendon stress until like three weeks after the session. So you obviously get the DOMS and the soreness, but um, the load that you get, you, your Achilles, for example, might take three weeks to recover as opposed to two days of just taking it easy. Um, have you guys, what have you found, Tyler? I was talking about swimming before. Not, yeah, I guess there's,
2: there's probably two groups of people, there's probably more. There's probably two groups of people that we're talking about. Um, there's... What you've just described—people who are runners or or have some sort of running background—who are now running more. Mm. So I guess yeah. those people hopefully have got a good enough understanding or, or some understanding of their body and and some cues with little sore points or niggles to know if you've gone from two a week to four a week. You maybe will be able to recognise those signs. Yeah. And then there, there's I guess the larger the community we're talking a lot about are the swimmers that now. Mostly cannot swim at all. I don't know my brother's a are, are prime candidates, They're now on the bike and running basically every day Who don't have any running background really or any I guess point of reference to know when things are going wrong so um, I, I, f- Personally when I look back at like I've been running reasonably s- consistently for probably ten years those first three four years I went through injury, injury, injury. There was sore knees and shins and feet and all sorts of things. And, and I think it's probably twofold. It's getting that, that running, and I did come from a swimming background, so possibly it was that um, bone strength and going from a non-weight bearing sport and then getting into the running. So the conditioning that could have taken three, four years, but as well as starting to learn about running, um, from running technique um, to equipment, Shoes that work for me, shoes that don't work for me. I'm very pedantic with my shoes. I know when I said one of my brother's comment the other day as I took off a pair of runners and put on a pair of runners to go running. And I was like, well, they're not my running runners. I wear they- I've worn them at work all day and they're going to put a new pair of runners onto out running. So little things like that, which I think if you're going to go run twice a week with two or three days off in between, you're probably going to get away with you know, if you're not going to go silly, you're going to yep. get away a lot, you if you're, if you're not going for no running and you're trying to run every second day, four times a week, little things like that, they're, they're probably going to add up and um, the stuff that you've you learned by doing and you're probably going to go through some, definitely some soreness and possibly some injuries too, so yeah, um, how to avoid it?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, I guess as you said, if you're a swimmer without a running background and you go out and run and you, your technique... Mm. Could be, you know, you don't know whether it's a good technique or a poor technique, but either way, using muscles that are not used to that, that stress, that is obviously going to cause uh, some potential injury concerns. And if you look at swimmers, that are, traditionally, if they're in full training load, they might do a morning and an afternoon session. Like you can't do that running, you're going you're to hurt yourself. So that, always that psychological aspect of, of um, either going and doing some other low load activities such as cycling, or just understanding that you can't do the same load as you would
2: Running compared to swimming, and if you are a serious swimmer, you're not built to run. You've got yeah. a whole lot of yeah. muscle up upstairs. Up that yeah. you know, if you stand yeah. Michael Phelps next to a runner, that it's clear differences. Michael Phelps carry around 100 kilograms of muscle, yeah. which is now just adding more stress to muscles that aren't used mm. to it and joints that aren't used to it. And a technique that may or may not be okay. So, yeah. it's it's a big change, and you can't just go from your Ten swimming sessions a week. To no. even you might yeah. think four sessions a week is not many, but mm. that's a huge load through your body.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, in terms of in terms of general training recommendations, like what would you, from a, a general overload perspective, Nick, what would you, what would you be recommending in terms of of, of progressive overload for, in general, and then maybe we'll come into running specifically.
1: Yeah, in general, like the ten percent rule is always the the way to go. It's like don't overload a session or, or add on by sort of more than ten percent. Um, probably go even more cautious than that if you're coming from that really low base. Yep. and It's it's probably more the starting point, I think, that a lot of athletes have an issue with and then they're trying to overload on that. So the overload might be okay, but if you're going out and your first run you haven't run in however many months or you haven't run at all for the last however many years and then going out and doing a 10K run straight off the bat is probably not the best way to start. I mean, minimum stimulus for a long, slow, aerobic run session is 20 minutes, so if you're going at a pretty... Moderately easy pace. You're probably not covering much more than depending on what pace that yeah, is. three and a half, half four k. Three and a half, half four k. Five. Like it's not it's not a lot. You don't have to go out and do ten k straight out. Yep. Um, we don't have to go out and do an hour straight out. Just just progressively build it in. Um, and then uh, as you build it up, it's the type of thing that you, you might only add on four to five minutes at a time mm-hmm. each each run or each week. Even maybe do if you're doing a couple of runs a week at it, sort like twenty minutes, and the next week you do one at 20 minutes and then the other runs at 25 and then you move those runs up by five minutes however you want to do it but keep it very very progressive and it almost you're on the side of caution i'd probably prefer in this period rather than going yeah. all right i ran two weeks worth of a 5k run and then another 5k run now i'm going to go try and do two 10k runs next week it's just not gonna not gonna happen
0: yeah, as you said, so the general rule being that 10%, but again, I don't think I've ever used that for runners specifically. Yeah, yes. Cycling and swimming, you can, because it's a bit lower stress on the bones and the muscles, but when you've got the load-bearing of, of running, like on more of a 2 to 5% sort of yeah. overload, just to be really cautious with that, um, which I think is really important.
1: Um, you've got to be mindful of the intensity jump in that as well. Like, if you're yeah. feeling like you're getting better at running, you're starting to run faster, you add on 5 minutes, but you've also increased your pace significantly in that same run mm, yeah that that in, that's a different jump uh, like that may not be two or five percent added on that may be if you've taken 30 seconds per k off your your pace yeah if you're at four minute k as opposed to four thirties, then that run is maybe like a 15 percent overload because you've yeah. added minutes plus you've added an intensity factor yeah and that just comes back to
0: what load is it's frequency times by duration times by intensity so if you go out for a 60 mm-hmm. minute run at a three out of ten intensity and the next day you feel good and you do a 60 minute run at six out of ten intensity well yeah. you've just doubled the load even yeah. though you're only running for 60 minutes so you've got to be really careful with that as well um, and then i guess the, t- the timing of, of where we are with no races being on the cards right now and we hear a lot you know the endurance maintenance mode is sort of the, the, the phrase that everyone's using at the moment and, that, and that's the other thing like you don't necessarily need to keep overloading your running uh i, I do I, I won't do more than four times a week running i just don't see the need to do it it's enough mm. to keep me uh, to make, or probably probably even increase my fitness, but at least maintain my fitness, get the mental health benefits, and all the rest of just getting outside. Um, but once you get to a certain base that you're comfortable with for your maintenance, then you can look at doing things like strength training, including other things to to uh, future-proof yourself for when, yep. you're, when you're back into a proper training load. Um, is there anything else we need to cover? That's one
2: Yeah, days off. Yeah. Like yep. I, I, especially, uh, if you're new to running, I wouldn't be running back-to-back days. Yep. Yep. Um, you know at the start it might be every third day so you get two days in between mm-hmm. then on that overload if you do change that to every second day you've added an extra run in. so you probably don't need to be making those other runs longer you, you strictly speaking you're going to go above that 10% by a new run in. so that, that at times it's going to happen so you be really wary of that um and i think that the fatiguing and the fatigue and the injury is almost a snowball effect when you get tired you try and run when you're tired you your technique then gets worse than it was, which then puts more load and you start to snowball. And so you're pushing, especially with running, I think pushing through sore spots and fatigue is the worst yeah, thing you're going to be able to do. Yeah. Um, try, yeah, if you, if you are feeling sore from getting new to running, try, maybe think about can you find a stationary bike or, or a bike to still get some aerobic benefit without that load. Um, Walking on every other day. If you wanna, if you wanna get out every day, I'll, I'll be running every two or three days. Go for a walk on those other days for half an hour. It's good for the mental health benefits. You get
1: the blood flow and might help you recover for for those next runs. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Do you want to touch on maybe the surface that you're running on, like going out and running on grass versus gravel versus yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Car I mean, it just comes back to biomechanics, doesn't it? So, um, the the softer the surface, the less impact, or less force that your body's going to feel, but then you don't want it to negatively affect your running economy yep. either, so uh, generally speaking you run on grass is going to be better than running on concrete, for that benefit, like don't go barefoot running, do not experiment with barefoot running yep. now, um, there is a time and a place for that, but it's if you're very advanced and have a good strength base, you know exactly what you're doing, mm. so cushioning is good, so where you run is, run on the grass, running on a track, like the worst thing you can run on in my opinion is, is going to be concrete, if you're not used to it, yeah. Um, and I think it was like, like back in the footy days, like we, we would be running, or you, you do oh, all yeah, your training on grass, and you go that, out for a 20 minute run on the yeah, concrete, yeah. and you sore for five
1: days. It's taken me the better part of probably the last four weeks to get used to running on asphalt again, because i have been just running on grass until we got locked down. So yeah, it's yeah, it takes a bit, takes a bit. Um, but yeah, you got to then consider, well, if you're running on grass, as the weather gets a little bit worse, if it gets a bit wet, is that going to be heavy under your feet? Is that yep. going to cause a bit of fatigue as well? So you, yeah, you do get do have to manage it a little bit but You wanna know, be careful on your grass
2: too, especially mm. with no sporting events going on. Those ovals may not be maintained maintained too well. like they usually are with yeah, even debris, rubbish, who knows what could be there and, and potholes and stuff. If you can yep. find a grass athletics track, you're on a way I to deal. there. Like yeah. a flat, a beautiful to run on. Um, just keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. So monitoring
0: like your cardiovascular load, so to speak, it's yeah, you know, you're that two to ten percent, keep two to five just because it's mm. quite stressful. And then on the muscular side of things, um, yes, it's the, the total volume and the number of contractions, all that, but it's also the surface that you run on. So you yep. can just be really smart with that. Um, it's not an exact size, say 2 to 10% for, for overloads. So that means, hey, if I do 60 minutes in a run one week, I can go up to 66 minutes the next week. Again, theoretically, that's correct. Uh, everybody's gonna be different depending on your running economy, uh, the surface that you're running on, the sleep you get, the life stress. That's where it comes into 50% science, 50% art. You know, you got to listen to your body, be really smart. Uh, as I said, I've gone from probably doing two two sessions a week to three or four depending how I feel, and, it, and the key word is depending on how I feel. Yeah. Like you know, I did a, a balls out session the other day on Thursday, and I was due to go again on Saturday, but I didn't, so I did Friday and Saturday, and then I did an easy run yesterday, uh, and I, I feel pretty good. Should be right for a high intensity session next time. So mixing it up, don't just do don't do hard session, hard session. Easy session, easy session, and three days off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mix it up. Hard session, uh, rest. rest easy, easy session, rest, rest. Hard session, session. So on and so forth. So like it's, it's kind of a common sense approach. But um, uh, in summary, today two to ten percent is the general rule. Uh, but you know, be aware if you don't have a running background, be careful because you are going to get the... The, the additional load on the tendons and the, and the ligaments and all that sort of stuff which you might not feel until three weeks later. Uh, you can minimise the impact of that through things like running on grass or flat grass instead of running on concrete to, to reduce the load but just really listen to the body. And, um, and don't, don't do too much too quickly. Start doing some cycling sessions. Don't just do running sessions if that's the case. And once you get to a comfortable baseline of whatever that is for you, two, three or four running sessions a week, you don't necessarily have to keep overloading. You can just maintain it. Uh, and build yourself up with some strength maintenance work as well, ready for for the full training load again. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now.